Today's episode of Laid Off is presented by no one, because I'm doing this for free. Thanks for checking it out. And uh, if you need a link to subscribe, go to the website, BlairThomasMedia.com. I appreciate you for doing that. This one was a lot of fun. It's one of my best friends, John, joining me here. And uh, you may not know him, but I guarantee you've heard a story or two about him over the years. Um, John and I are going to tackle one thing we both did to our mom's house plans as kids. We're going to get into parenting and quarantine because he has two little boys at home. Plus, one very heated debate about ice cream versus donuts that you do not want to miss. All right, let's do it. John Step, let's go. man we're here we're doing this it's happening yeah this is uh my best friend john you, hello everybody we've been best friends since what sophomore year of high school yeah when we were i think in homeroom together and for we were, like three years in a row yeah because we had the same last name thing or whatever and then we ended up going on the taco bell run in the middle of gears of war yeah we were playing xbox one night and i was just like dude i'm hungry he goes i'm hungry too i just got my license i'm like drink you like Taco Bell? He goes, yeah, I like Taco Bell. I was like, where do you live? I'm coming to get you. And it just blossomed from there. Yeah, dude. So I was the best man in your wedding. You'll be the best man in my wedding whenever the heck that happens. Speech is going to be fire. So I got it. First off, before we get anything else, I want to somewhat apologize for my speech at your wedding. For what? Because I realized it was a little bit longer than it should have been. In the green room, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the men's groomsmen space that we had before your wedding. The attic, okay. <laughs> a lot of alcohol involved. You're not wrong. A lot of whiskey involved. Uh, four roses. I, Very smooth. I didn't, <laughs> what was it? Four, four roses. So, I, first time I ever had it. Probably the last time I'll ever have it. I felt good until I started speaking, and then I realized I was speaking for like seven minutes. Well, I mean, you can't you can't really put a cap on like feelings. Like, that's all, that's... It's really hard to put into perspective such a big life event when you've been through so much with somebody that you don't really spend a lot of time with. Like when you really put it in perspective, like in terms of interpersonal communication and how much time me and you spend together, it's really not that much. But for all the things we've been through and all the memories we have, like it's pretty amazing to think like we spend an hour every now and again, maybe two hours every now and again together. And there's a laundry list of memories. So like to be able to wrap that up in a timely fashion on such a big day when you're overwhelmed with emotions, like how are you going to say I went too long or too short? Like it's a lot. It's to try to pack that into a two and a half minute speech is It's not really a feasible thing to do. It's impossible. There are photos of me ugly crying <laughs> next to you did you see me <laughs> well it's the thing when i see my people cry that makes me cry so i look like that fish from spongebob with the huge frown the that's <laughs> essential when when she when my wife was walking down the aisle i was out i couldn't i don't even know why i was crying i couldn't even see her at that you point you were crying before she came out <laughs> it was just tears and i was just you called my last name was kleenex because i was just i handed stuff over which is bad so i've actually told stories about you on our show for years i didn't tell you this i didn't tell you know leave your name out of it and all that but people know you they just don't know that okay. they know you so one of the things that i told people about you is that you and i have something in common and something that we did when we both were seven eight years old even younger than that was you used to pee in houseplants, and you told me this story all the time. You told me this. And you were like, did anyone else do that? And I was like, yeah, bro. I uh, think the worst so part about this story is where the plants were located. 
So where were they located? Every, well, there was two by the front door. Like right when you walk in. <laughs> there was one in the bathroom. So I would go in the bathroom. Because <laughs> <laughs> mine were bad because I would walk past the bathroom to go pee in the plant by the back door. <laughs> you would pee in the plant that was in the <laughs> My man was shooting three-pointers over the toilet just to pee I'm in the I'm standing plant. over the toilet. <laughs> But yeah, but there was one in the bathroom. There was one on each side of the front door. People walking me like, you guys got a cat? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, so my mom probably did the same thing when she walked through the house and realized that half the plants were dead and probably wonder why it was. But you and I did the same thing and that half the plants were dead is because we just didn't feel like peeing let's, in the toilet. Let's stop putting plants inside. <laughs> it's, too much, it's too much temptation. All right, so when you're, when you're six years old and you first discover that you've got a little bit of range as a boy, you just want to pee on everything. Let me let me get this straight. I have a six-year-old. There's no reasoning with him. <laughs> in, in regards to what? Just his, his peeing habit? Well, it, he's the smartest person on the planet. How so? With everything. <laughs> he's going to tell me how to do it. So when you, do, you look at me at six, you're not going to tell me I can't pee in a plant. What is it there for? To look at? That's not fun. So when was the last time you peed in a house plant? Anything in the last like ten years? No. Your stuff's not in your house right now. So. I got no plants. They all died. <laughs> There's a reason for that. There's a reason. So one of the other things that I've told people about you is that you swear that black socks are more comfortable than any other kind of socks. You can't that you tell can me wear. otherwise. There's like I own maybe three pairs of socks that are white. Maybe three. And two of them are elite socks, which are like double padded. And I just threw one away the other day. <laughs> they fell apart. I don't even wear them that much. I hate white socks. And they still fell apart. They're just not built as well. It's a quality thing. You realize it's just a color thing. It's your opinion. Here's my thing on this, though. Church socks, like thin dress socks. Yeah. I call them church socks. They're not comfortable at all. You know what I'm saying? But you swear to this day that there is something in black can socks. I, can I get everybody on board with something real quick? Can we just put L's and R's on all socks Amen. that like you want comfortable socks? Make sure it always goes on your left foot and always goes on your right foot. That way Amen. you don't have that worn out top of the foot like that. That's what makes socks comfortable. And I want to circle around to your ghost story. Oh, don't don't please. Because that's a rabbit hole. And I'm down. I'm going to ask this of anyone who comes on laid off. Have you ever been fired from a job before, John? Oh, see, this is an interesting question. Because as you know, I worked in the corporate world at 7-Eleven. So I originally worked there, left, came back. When I came back, they sent me down into Baltimore City, where I was their fixer. They sent me to the stores. I would go fix them. They'd sell them. Okay, so I was down there during the Baltimore riots, and I was basically given an ultimatum. Um, during the riots, one I was on, in between Northern Parkway and Cold Spring, so... I got, I was really in tight with the community. Um, hold, hold on. What the, what the <laughs> Time out. I'm hitting breaks. So uh, I'm black. You're white. When you say in tight with the community, that means you were really cool with the black people in the city. That's Spe exactly what that means. Specifically the drug dealers. Hey. You know your audience. <laughs> know your audience. So, go, like, so going down there, it, I'm, I'm running a corporate store. I can't say no to anybody. I'm just, I'm a minion. Like I do what do as you're told. Smart businessman. So I'm in there and I got dealers coming in doing hand to hands in the store on camera. I'm like I pulled I pulled the top guy aside and I was like, Hey my man, 
Can I talk to you for a second? He's like, yeah, what's up? I was like, just to let you know, if the cops come in, I can't tell them no. I'm like, I'm obliged to, sure. to cooperate. You, you work for 7-Eleven. So I drug said, around back, there's no cameras facing this way, no cameras facing this way. I don't care what you guys do. I'll take care of you. Buy them coffee, buy them soda, Slurpees, food when they come in. I was there for six months. Northern Parkway, Cold Spring. There's a methadone clinic two doors down. I was not robbed once in six and a half months or whatever. I left, which we'll get into. They were robbed three times the week I left. And they shut down in less than a month because they deemed it too dangerous to run a neighborhood or run a business in. That's like, know your people, treat everybody with respect, and you won't have any issues. But yeah, I was in tight with the drug dealers. So hold on. So how'd you get, you didn't get fired. You left though. So I was given an ultimatum. Um, one of the dealers came in and said, hey, during the riots, you're getting looted tonight. They're hitting this, 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 and this, and you're fourth on their list. <laughs> I'm hitting the brakes again. Hold on. Wait, wait. So there was like a, a looting schedule? They're like organized. There, there was a like rundown of where it was getting hit. But the thing is, nobody loots their own neighborhood. This is coming from other neighborhoods, because why would you loot your own neighborhood? It's your neighborhood. Everybody's going to recognize you anyway. I didn't know there was this coordinated. Yeah, dude, you'd be shocked down there. You'd be shocked. So they would. They came up, say, hey, around 8 o'clock, give or take, 15 minutes. I was like, oh, geez, you guys are more coordinated than we are. So I called my district manager. I was like, hey, listen, this is what's going on. I'm shutting the store down. She goes, no. I was like, I'm sorry. Did that sound like a question? <laughs> like, I'm not... I'm not going to be here and I'm not telling my employees to be here. when you know and especially as a manager you're responsible for everyone else who works there if you know people are going to come and, and a ransack b maybe try to hurt people you you have to shut it down so I would have done the same thing so I, I shut the store down yeah um almost eight o'clock on the dot uh-huh. I get a call from Baltimore City Police Department hey this is what's going on so we locked all the valuables in my office in the very back which is behind three locked doors so they busted down the glass, go in, um, get a call, meet my district manager down there at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm stepping on glass, stepping on everything that's on the floor. She goes, well, we got to clean up and open. I was like, we don't have doors. What do you mean we have to clean up and open? She goes, we have to bring some normalcy back to the community. And these are riots still going on. People getting hurt. It was and I'm like, time, yeah. I said, listen, like. I understand we have to run a business, but at the same time, we got to take a step back and realize like we're selling lollipops and sodas. Is it really like the time to push the envelope? She's like, we need to bring normalcy back to the, to the community, whether it's going to be with you or without you. So I looked at her and I said, listen, I understand what you're saying. You can take this as my two weeks notice. We obviously have different business ethics and I'm not going to tell my employees to risk their life because I don't even feel comfortable coming down here right now. This is a weird time. And I say it's a weird time when we're doing the riots and look sure. what we're sitting in now. Sure. I said, this isn't something I'm comfortable with. Like, this, like coming down and selling Slurpees is not a priority right now. It's making sure we're all okay. And she basically accepted my two weeks. And now you see what happened after I left. But I, after that, I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. Like... Doing just the, pressure at that it point. was doing the right thing to me mm-hmm. and i told her i said i'm not going to force my employees to come in if they choose to come in some of them will because they have they have families to feed they have bills to pay and they can't afford to be off yeah and i put my two weeks in and didn't have anything else set up and hindsight 2020 that was a bad idea but um it got me to where i am and i'm 
I'm very proud that I stood up for myself and what I thought was right. And that was more important at the time than selling out and putting people's lives in, in danger. Now you've got two kids now, yep. one, six, one, six months, four months, four months. Jeez. I'm, see, he's so big. That's what throws me he's off. a monster. That was Leo. He was born by this point. Leo right? was really young yeah. at this point. Yeah, 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 he was. He was. He was maybe six. He was probably right around Landon's age, actually. Probably like six months old. Did that factor into you leaving that job? <sighs> See, because like as a dad, it's I've not, I've not gotten there yet. You know, we haven't I had was, any children, so that whole your whole mentality on the world thing switches. My my mentality on the world. See that that's a catch twenty two there because I was mature in the aspect of I didn't want to put my life in jeopardy, but I was also immature in my decision to leave because I didn't have anything else set up. I'm responsible for this little life, and I'm putting me standing up for myself over getting a paycheck, which to me is like. When I look back on it, I wish I could just like go shake myself and like just just stick it out and find another job first, because there was a freeze right after that, and there's a whole bunch of turmoil going on, and it's just like, dude, your your main job is to provide, not to get your feelings hurt or stick up for what you believe in right now. Like if the same thing happened today, yeah, I think it'd be a little bit of a different outcome because I got two mouths to feed yeah. that can't stick up for themselves, not counting me or my wife or or the dog. Let's talk about now then, because the same thing, uh, again, as a non-parent, I'm kind of perceiving this whole COVID-19 thing a little bit differently, especially now that I'm unemployed. So it's not like I have to go out and work and I have no one to really provide for yet on like a children level yet. How's that been for you providing and, and going to work in the middle of quarantine as a parent? Because now I always think about even when I'm sitting in your basement right now bringing anything that I've touched anywhere that I've been to you, your family, your kids, how is it being a parent in the middle of all of this and, and finding ways to keep them entertained and, and keeping everyone safe? Like, is your stress level higher? Are you freaking uh, out at all? Or is it kind of just, you know, business as usual because you're working and you know, how's that working out for you? It's an interesting dynamic because I'm very fortunate to continue be able to continue to bring in a paycheck and my wife as well can us both being essential employees so um to not have the financial stresses of not being able to provide is no matter what's going to happen outside of here being able to provide is the most important thing and we're able to do that that at the time being everything else back burner we got a roof we got electricity we got food and hot water of course but um it's it's weird yeah. I think it's weird. Dude, like, it's weird for me. And I'm not even like, I don't I don't have that extra set of eyes in the back of my head looking out for anyone else at the moment just yeah. because of my situation. But it's weird for me. So I couldn't even imagine having someone else say, hey, dad, like I'm hungry. And, yeah. you know, like what about keeping them safe? Like, is there a thing for you? Like, because you you work and you come home. Like, do you do anything differently? I'm surprised my hands aren't down to the bones with the amount of soap and hand sanitizer I use. Dude, you know how ashy my hands Dude, have been? This last? is bad. <laughs> This is bad. And we got the worst smelling hand sanitizer at work. Oh, oh. I'm like, I'm like walking around with my hands out. <laughs> like I don't believe the will smell. But, uh, we're, uh, I, I, I constantly wash. We, I yeah. don't, I don't touch anything at work. I have my computer and nobody touches it. Um, I don't go out on the floor and help with anything. It's, it's very like my job, your job. And not that we're trying to be selfish. It's just like, we're trying to limit the spread and, I've been the main one to go out to the grocery store to go do this, to go do that, to go do that. Because having a little one, it's much easier for me to wash my hands because I'm not, they'll drop, drop everything and do it just because like, 
one, my work schedule hasn't really lightened up a bit. I, yeah. I'm out working every day and when I get home, it's kind of different, but um, it, it's, it's a lot more teamwork and a lot more being creative. And we're, it, it's really awesome in terms of being able to get out of our comfort zone. Like we're doing things that we as a family probably wouldn't do. I'm not much of an outdoorsy kind of guy. I'm a homebody. Um, I don't like to get my hands dirty. Like I'm very weird about that. Like I wear gloves when I wash my car, but we went out to hike to the king and queen seat. I've never done it. I've lived in Hartford County my whole life and I've never been to Rock State Park. Yeah. Wow. So Yeah. Weird, weird, right? Yeah. So like, and like my wife and I are looking into like potentially getting bikes and like biking as a family and doing like all these things that like we enjoy being outside a lot. Yeah. And you get to learn more about the kids yeah. and what Leo would like. And even which like is not being age. outside for, for the record. <laughs> well, no, it's man. just, it's just one of those things when you're not exposed to it, it's a big difference, but it's, we're really lucky. He's in kindergarten. Yeah. I know what the colors look like. I know how to add uh-huh. and subtract. Uh-huh. So it's like, uh-huh. if he was in sixth or seventh grade, <sighs> that's it. Education changes so much so fast. Like, even like he's like, this is how we divide. I'm like, that is not how. We divide. <laughs> what are you talking about, bro? You need to be carrying this numbers. Is how you divide. Screw that Common Core nonsense. Like, we go back to '96. I'm going to school with you tomorrow. I need to learn how to do this. So well, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine being a sixth or seventh grade parent. So my my brother's a teacher. My mom works in the school system also, and both are working and communicating with kids and still kind of doing the teleconference thing and. Huge shout out to the teachers. We are seeing, sorry to cut you off, we are seeing exactly which professions are massively underpaid. And massively, I think we're very well taken care of at work, being essential employees. I mean, we deliver cancer medicine and and socks, like, and, and everything in between. And for the teachers at a drop of a hat to change their whole routine, their whole learning plan, and get these out to these students, and... I hope that parents can take a step back and realize how important our teachers are to the development of our of our future and that the not my kid mentality that a lot of parents have because we always want to think the best of our kids that it is difficult it, we're having a hard time as parents like not saying me directly but like to teach our kids our individual kid that we're around every day and obviously it's going to be more difficult because our kids t- push us further than any than they would most of their teachers but to teach them all these things we have six seven eight teachers that are responsible for this for a whole school for a whole grade you have an eighth grade teacher teaching all of these kids this and then they have to develop their plans and teach kids specifically because not every kid learns the same and to come out with these massive student loans and to be severely underpaid and maryland's one of the worst states to be a teacher in terms of retirement and benefits and all that and this shows that we need to take a step back and if you want high quality teachers you pay high quality employees imagine as a parent if your child only knows what you know we'd be in trouble <laughs> a lot of us would be in a lot of trouble be a good delivery driver but we'd be in trouble it's sad that it took us well it's kind of like i always compare it to 9-11 sadly because i feel like that's one of the only other american tragedies that's even comparable to what we're dealing with right now in that after 9-11 happened we kind of looked at the entire system of travel and uh Homeland Security, which wasn't even in anyone's vocabulary in, you know, September 10th, 2001. So now 
well, then it revamped the way we thought about things like, wait, so we weren't checking to see who was getting on these planes. Like we were we were we scanning the right was TSA doing? We're assuming people are going to do the right thing. I think now when it comes to just living our ordinary lives, we're going to get to the point where we say, OK, we need to rethink the way we do everything. It's going to it's going to change normal. How many people touch this gas pump? Mm-hmm. How many people touch this card reader at, at ShopRite or whatever? I'll never be able to do those things the same ever again. Now, now ShopRite has employees cleaning each cart before I touch it, which, which goes to think, when did you guys clean carts? If you guys clean carts, which they left the cart, they left the Purell wipe out for us. But the whole cart gets dirty. Everything I touch and put in the cart, it touches that part of the cart. Yep. So it's it, the cross contamination, but like to to have such a change to quote unquote normal, mm. not going to be the worst thing in the world. I just wish we could have found out in a different way. Let's chill on these murder hornets, though. The tracker jackers, you mean? You talking about the tracker jackers? <laughs> Boy, you better get that Katniss Everdeen. Where is Katniss? I don't play with those they things. Scare me. Well. Can we just chill? Yeah, what does that sound like flying by? It's going to sound like a big block. <laughs> Was that a 5.0 Mustang? Nah, bro. It's the, it's the tracker jackers coming to get it. So if you haven't heard the news, apparently there are these gigantic hornets that are about as big as our paw. Show up on Doppler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tasselmeyer show up like, yeah, hey, we got a flock of tracker jackers out of the 95 corridor right now, which is nuts. Are they here yet? Are they going to be here? Like, what's the deal with these? If it takes us after Corona, they're going to be living in our house. How in the world is the government going to handle a bunch of bees, which don't really adhere to any kind of social distancing? If they don't bother humans, I'm out. I don't like honey that much. I don't like flowers. You don't have to cross pollinate. Just leave me alone. Where'd they come from? Uh, Japan, I, I think. I think they were heard from Japan. Do you buy into any coronavirus conspiracy theories? Which one do you want to talk about? <laughs> so, right. no, so, so I, I heard th- some things and basically what I'm saying is I'm not trusting anything that comes out of the Chinese government. Maybe ever. I think this is a mistake that was made in a lab because what kind of virus can live up to two weeks on surfaces? That membrane that's around that that cell or that virus is thick with three C's. But for it to live on stuff for two weeks, that's why it's so dangerous. Like the common flu. You hit it with some, you you break down that fatty membrane and hit it with hand sanitizer. It's done. Bye. What you can't do that with this, and it can live on boxes and tables and door handles for two weeks. Well, I heard too. It's that wild. There was like a, a a biological lab of some kind in Wuhan, like next to these markets where like the raw pork is laying on top of the beef and whatnot. That one doctor, or whatever, was silenced by the uh, government yeah. or whatever. I try not was to killed. get involved in those things because I enjoy sleeping. <laughs> and I, I, I come in on like, you, have you ever seen that that meme of uh, what's his face from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he's got the cigarette in his hand and the board behind him yeah, with all the lines? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's me and Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> My brother's the worst. I know he is. He was the first. he cor- like, yeah, he yeah. corner me at Breeze? <laughs> he cornered me at Breeze graduation party. But 9-11 conspiracy theories? Yes. He's a truther. He's also a truther about the Wuhan stuff, too, now. He's like, see, man, them bats, man. I'm going to reach out to Aaron. I'm one of those people with food. I, there's not much I won't try. You know where I draw the line? Sushi with that has, like, live suction cup things. Octopus, squid. Any if kind it, of tentacles, I'm out. If it can stick to my throat, I'm out. But you can walk my steak to the table. <laughs> You've been out to eat with me. There's not much I won't try. Your steak moves by the time it like gets to the table. 
are you eating more in the middle of coronavirus and lockdown and quarantine? <laughs> I'm out of control. <laughs> Dude, I was falling apart before this, and then they closed the gym, and it was no bets. Yo, like, everything was gone. You know what's crazy? I'm down 10 pounds. You've always had a problem holding weight, though. I have. What? I found it. You want it back? <laughs> sure. You Give me, like, five. I'm down, like, 10, bro. Because, again, gym's closed. The little bit of muscle that I had, gone gone all i want to do is bench this makes me realize how poor my diet is also my discovery of uh drinking again has also hurt my uh gut i love craft beer oh do i love craft beer everybody's drinking more though yeah the air fryer anybody that doesn't have one needs to get one it's the truth air fryers are the truth yo i tried we tried making french fries you know what we forgot to do blanch them forgot to blanch them gotta blanch i was pissed I, I, you you knew where I was going. I was so can I mad. You, can I tell you the key to making good chicken wings in an air fryer? Bake them for 30 minutes first. Bake, then air fry? And then so how long do you air fry them? Like five minutes instead of like 15? Like 10 minutes. So they were talking like extra crispy Well, chicken. it depends if you want to bread them or not. I don't bread mine. You can bread them. Also, the key in an air fryer, for anybody that's curious, when you make fried chicken in an air fryer, because this is like the 16th time I've tried, <laughs> when you bread them, get olive oil spray and spray them when they're in there. Like you put them in the basket with the flour coating, spray the top with olive oil, like the olive oil spray that you can get from like the grocery store or Target. And in 10 minutes, you open it back up, spray it again, and it gets super crispy. This is exactly why we need to reopen everything. Not saying now, but I almost can't wait until the world's back to normal because all I've been doing is sitting at home and trying things like that. Do you know how much money I'm going to save by not going out to eat? Everything I make is better than most of the places I go out to. Facts. You need to try my creme brulee. My creme brulee game. I've, I've been making creme brulee, John. That's how bored in quarantine I've Oh, you got money. All I'm saying is, no, I wish. We made, we, st- we started with creme brulee, which then evolved into making homemade donuts filled with my creme brulee filling. I don't hate where you're going with this. They weren't good. But what I'm saying is I just have the time to try everything Yet. now and it's bad. Yet. I'll get there. Mama ain't raised no quitter. Newberry's still open. Don't tell me that. I told you that. <laughs> Newberry Bakery in Bel Air. Hands down the best donuts in the area. Dude, they're glazed twist. We're going to do this right now because we started talking about donuts. You brought up one debate that... It was like a Mario Kart 64 level divide in our friendship after this debate started. Ice cream or donuts for the rest of your life. You could only have one of them for the rest of your life. Now, you were on one side of this firmly. And I might have changed my mind because I got two cartons of ice cream upstairs. Ice cream or donuts. You can only have one for the rest of your life. Here's my case for ice cream over donuts. And I love donuts more than life itself. Ice cream to me has more variety. I'm not saying donuts don't have different varieties and kinds, but my favorite kind of donut is just the traditional glazed donut. When I go out and get donuts, I just get, I can do a whole box of glaze. I don't need anything frosted. I don't need any sprinkles. I don't need anything filled. It's going to be glazed. But with me and ice cream, I can go in so many different directions with my ice cream. And if I were to take ice cream, I would remember that I'd have more to work with and I'd have more varieties. Cookie dough ice cream is the greatest thing on the planet. I'm taking ice cream over donuts. I'm still on the donut side. It's crazy. No, listen to this. What's one of your favorite parts about going down to Ocean City? Oh, we're talking about fractured prune. OC sand. Great. French toast. Fantastic. Strawberry, strawberry shortcake. 
Blueberry Hill. All fantastic. But here's my thing, though. So OC Sand and French Toast are both glazed. Heavy variations on the glazed donut. Mr. Variety and ice cream. You're just talking about varieties and glaze. Like, come on. Donuts are fantastic. I'm not saying they're not, but I'm saying if I had to pick one. So ice cream, I'm just going to go break down my list. Cookie dough. Yeah, cookies and cream. Friendly's French vanilla, the greatest stuff on the see, planet. See, You're talking this, Ben and Jerry's. This comes down to like, how often are you willing to eat ice cream? All the time. Like ice cream, like when do you crave ice cream? Summertime though. You know when I crave ice cream? When I'm half asleep. And mm. I just open the open the carton and I'm like half asleep and I like go up to bed and I like wake up the next morning. I feel like I hate myself because I'm like, why did I do that? I wasn't even awake. Donuts, whenever. I had one today. It was trash. Which is still good. Don't get donuts. They're bad. But I, I'll never say no to a donut. When it comes to ice cream, business idea for us. We need to come up with a brand of ice cream that somehow replicates the first scoop of ice cream off the top. When you take the scoop and you just slide it over the top of that thing. We need to figure out a way to make sure that every scoop is flat because flat ice cream tastes better. Can, can I throw a question at you? Yes. What's your favorite kind of ice cream? Cookie dough. Okay, so do you like the cookie dough or do you like the ice cream? I like cookie dough ice cream. No, you know, you, if you like, no, if, so if they took the cookie dough out, would you still like it as much? No, absolutely not. So you like the cookie dough. I love cookie dough. So if I gave you a tube tube of cookie dough that you can eat with a spoon, are you going to be upset? I love cookie dough in the ice cream. However, if there's too much of it, it almost devalues my, is there a such thing? But what I'm saying is the the reason cookie dough ice cream is so good because you don't get it in every single bite. Having a, a tube of edible cookie dough or whatever, when I see those, I'd never get them because that's like having Christmas every day. If I, if I get cookie dough with every single bite, it's not a special. You anymore. know the best way to not have cookie dough in every bite? Get married. Do you know why? Because you're going to open it up. No, she doesn't. Okay. She, I do. <laughs> she gets mad at me for it if you're if you like ice cream that's like like personally like if i get ice cream you're not i'm not picking up a thing of neapolitan ice cream you give me that loaded cookies and cream cookie dough the stuff that's in it that's what i like i'm not just gonna be like hey let me get a vanilla ice cream no like i'm not interested in that i want the topic so whenever i go to ocean city I go to dumpsters every single time. Different. I don't think Their I, soft serve is so good. It's banging. The so banana, banging. But I, I haven't been to Fractured Prune in I don't know how many times since I've been to Ocean City. Let me, let me throw Kohler Brothers or Cole Brothers, whatever, the blue one. So much better than dumpsters, in my opinion. Mmm, that's bold. Their orange one, like the orange dreamsicle. Bud. That's bold. See, you know what I... So... Reopening Ocean City, as we talk Coastal Highway for a minute. Apparently, they're saying, I don't know when the actual date is, but in the next couple of days, weeks, they're planning on reopening the boardwalk and the beaches. Now, everyone has to maintain social distancing and do all of that, but do you think it's too soon? Do you think it's just right? Like, are we are we jumping the gun here with Ocean City? I, I think we can get back to some sort of normalcy sooner than everybody thinks like social distancing everybody carries hand sanitizer the gloves don't really work because people don't use them the right way but wash your hands have people in these establishments really cleaning the common items that are being touched and if we sanitize everything because not even in terms of like 
working or anything like that just in people's overall sanity we gotta start to change like i i like going to work every day like i i'm so thankful that i can go to work and thank goodness um Pennsylvania opened up their golf courses, but like, I'm excited to go down to the beach. I'm, I'm glad they did this because now that they're doing this now, by the time that I go down, it should be some sort of normal. One of my favorite things to do down there is sit down and eat all you can eat crabs, which I like relinquish the fact I might not be able to do that this year. Shout out crab bag. Crab bag. What was that like 128? It's a spot. But you're right. I think the normalcy is what we want most as opposed to like we can we can go get ice cream anywhere. Right. But the normalcy of being able to go and enjoy. And I think opening up the beaches and forgive me for not being a a social scientist to figure out how all of the numbers work and all that. I'm sorry. But it seems like opening up beaches is one of the things we can do now, because if the if the parks are open, if you can go to Rock State Park and go walk with the family. We're all social distancing on the beach anyway. If you're within six feet of somebody else on the beach, you're weird. How mad do you get when you're sitting there tanning and somebody comes by and kicks sand on And they start flopping the blake. But like if we can do, I don't know, the parks and whatever else, we should be able to do the beach. Same thing with the boardwalk. I feel like there's enough space. There's not much at the beach where you have to be on top of each other. It's true. It's true. Same thing with golfing, right? So the golf courses in the area, you went golfing last week and I'm, you know, I had to miss, unfortunately. But I feel like golfing's the same way in that. I think we can start to do things of that nature. Now, when it comes to going to the clubhouse and everything, that should be a little different, but there's enough, there's enough space for everybody. This is one of those things where making these changes during COVID can actually prove to be a really valuable asset to some of these businesses. So for those not familiar in golfing, an average round of 18 with four people is roughly four hours, give or take. That's a long time. So roughly four hours, just because you're waiting for people in front of you or this, that, and the other. So this is the busiest this golf course, Pilgrim's Oak, that I've ever, when I've gone, has ever been. Parking lot packed. Really? Packed. Well, everyone's second, th- this was the second day it was open since being reopened. And everybody had their own cart. Usually they put two in a cart so everybody could drive up through their own ball. There was no waiting. And as busiest as ever been, three hours and ten minutes. Great round of golf. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even shoot well. Like I didn't hit the ball well because I was rusty, and it was the fastest round of golf I ever played. Mm. This is one of those things where, oh wow, we didn't realize how good this could be. Mm-hmm. We should buy more golf carts. Everybody should get their own golf cart if they want. Mm-hmm. If you like being in a cart with a buddy, like we have a friend in Denver, if he comes home, if he comes home, and I want to sit in a cart with him, you guys can do that. But you have the availability. To sit in a cart, which is crazy that they didn't give us that before, because if you just ride in the cart, you pay the cart fee. Which is whack. So you're, I'm paying two cart fees for one cart. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think we'll get to the point where we just say, well, why do we do that this way? Why, do you, why don't we? Well, all right. So to go back a half step, we talked about going to the stores and having everything covered, things wiped down and cleaning or whatever. I was at the store. I was at Giant in Canesville. They had their card reader covered with a sheet of plastic. It was like parchment paper. Pretty much, yeah. right? Which on in theory sounds great. Oh, we've got everything covered. But then I thought, well, if you guys aren't cleaning this plastic, then what the heck is the point in having it there at all? If you don't rip it off after every time. Which they weren't, which is, it, it, it blows my mind how, I don't know, that seems like a simple thing, but it's just like, why are we doing that? 
See, this is this is this is what gets me about these type of things. It's like Shoprite has incorporated one ways down their aisles. What? Why? Also, let's let's take a step back. Let's look at this product. Okay, I want to I want to buy a pack of Oreos. That Oreo is packed, handled by somebody in Nabisco's warehouse to be put onto a truck, unloaded off that truck at the distributor. That distributor has an employee loaded onto Shoprite's pallet that they're buying. Then they have somebody handle that into a truck. Shoprite has somebody unload that into their warehouse, which they then reload into a new trailer. Then that trailer is shipped to three different stores throughout the day. So you got other people in those trucks. Then it ends up at your Main Street Shoprite, where it is unloaded by an individual person, where it's their job to unload these trailers. It is then stocked by somebody in the back room onto their shelf. And then whoever's department that is, is now going to come retrieve that and load it onto the shelf. A lot of hands. And then a lot of hands. That customer who doesn't believe in social distancing does wear a mask because he has he or she has to, then picks that up with their gloveless hands, puts it in their cart, decides they don't want it, and puts it back, which is now unsanitized. It's a false sense of security. So why are big corporate stores the only ones allowed to be open right now? The hot spots, I feel like, as far as cross-contamination and, and coming into contact with people are Home Depot and the grocery store, because everyone's there. Why are we shutting down other places, but meanwhile, we're allowing 150, 200 people inside of this store at any given time? Yeah, we're, we're helping in some areas, but it, when you really think about the places where I personally could come into the most contact with anyone else is at some kind of a store of some kind. So I was at the store maybe two weeks ago. And I was in the egg aisle and I turned the corner. You heard the story. I turned the corner and there is this older lady, maybe 70 years old, 65, 70. And she had a carton of eggs wide open. And she had another carton of eggs, which was open in the display. And she was individually weighing each egg and swapping out the eggs that she wanted into her carton and touching who knows how many eggs? And I turn the corner. I look at this lady. I was kind of like, am I seeing what I'm seeing right now? And we made eye contact. And she looked at me like I was invading her privacy or something. I didn't say anything. But I think the reason I didn't say anything was, was only because she was older. I feel like if she was 15 and doing that, I would have laid into him. This is coming from a 28-year-old. But for whatever reason, I felt like I couldn't say anything to this lady because she was older. But I want to be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? See, that's that's... It's then that's a very common thing to not want to say something that of somebody that's older than you, but it's like watching somebody look at some grapes, taste one of the grapes, mm. and then be like, Nah, I don't want them. Mm. You just stole. Mm. You can you go, stole. You, hey, you can go to Costco or ShopRite and fill up if you want, right? To. You can go fill up. Like, but, but like, what, like, what do you know what gets me? That same lady that rips individual bananas off of the bunches. Mm. Just get the bunch. Mm. Just get the bunch. Get the bunch. They're gonna they're gonna be healthier longer anyway. <laughs> what are you? You're ripping off seven bananas from individual bunches. Like they're not that much different. You know what else freaks me out about the store now? Are those warning messages that they play over the PA system? Like the purge? I haven't had that. I haven't experienced that. Attention shoppers, thank you for shopping at our store. Please maintain social distancing guidelines and maintain a six-foot gap between yourself and the next shopper. 
Thank you for coming, and please be safe. That freaks me out. You know, you know why I don't hear those? You're in and out so fast? I put headphones on. Ooh. I'm a headphone shopper. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, and I feel bad because I know, like, because I have my, like, my Beat Studios on, the ones that go over ear that are noise canceling. Yeah. So I know I'm, like, walking through the grocery store. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I never thought about this. Well, it's just, I, I, not that I don't want to talk to people. No, you don't, you don't want to talk to people. Okay, whatever. You got me. <laughs> no, but, like. I, I'm a super, I, I talk, I'm a super people person. I deal with people all day. And it's like one of those things where it's just kind of like, this is kind of my time. Now, I don't now, especially now that I don't have the gym. Yeah. This is my time. Yeah. Or another place to wear the headphones either. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't even listen to stuff half the, half the time. I just have them on. Huh? What'd you say? Huh? It's what? same, same uh, thing when I go to the gym. Like when, like, you know, when you're working out and it goes, bloop, 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 I just leave them on. <laughs> they do leave you alone though. Absolutely. I might become a headphone shopper now. For real. Game, it's a game changer. I might I might wear nothing in my ears, but whenever anyone tries to say something to me, I'll just point to, <laughs> point to my ears. Like, There's nothing there. But like, I know, I just don't feel like talking to you right now, dog. Before we wrap up, what do you think I should do now as far as my career situation goes? Because you know what happened. I, I was essentially essential on Wednesday, came in on Thursday, did the show, went home, got fired. So I'm at the point now in unemployment where I'm starting to figure out what I should do next. And there's a part of me that feels like I don't want to go back into the media full time in like a role that I had before because I I really started to look at it and think about what I put all that work in for, right? I got up at four o'clock in the morning for the last five, six years, and I did my thing, connected with listeners, connected with the the record industry people and all of that. Right. Only to to have people swoop in who know nothing about me or us swooped in, took my job away. Right. And now I'm looking around and I'm thinking, what was all that for? I'm better than that guy. And this girl, if they're still getting a check in this. And I'm not, if I'm on the outside looking in and it has nothing to do with my skill or what I was doing, why would I want to work in an industry like that that has nothing to do with what I was actually doing and everything to do with some number based on some guy in some office or some consultant who had a grudge or whatever? So, in your opinion, what should I do now? So, you're talking to somebody who is all about stability. I like stability. I left the restaurant industry because I was tired of like, I don't know what I'm going to make tonight. I hope I do well. I got two kids. I got a wife. I got a career. I'm all about stability, but I'm also all about perspective. I, I would really like to get promoted at work. I don't get salty about other people getting promoted around me. I'm happy for them because I'm, I'm a big proponent of it'll happen when it's supposed to. It's not my time. Last time a promotion came up, one of my coworkers got it. I was super happy for him. Really happy for him. I just looked at it. Did I think I was ready? Yeah, I thought I was ready. And that was eight months ago. I realized I've grown a lot in those eight months. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was his time or it's somebody else's time. So unfortunately, you're in a situation where you got the short end of the stick and you're talking to somebody who likes stability. So 
I want you to do something that's stable. Being my best friend, getting married, I want to see you progress in life. I also want to see you happy. Whether that's happy doing your podcast, if it blows up, that's awesome. Going back in the industry and grinding that out, that's awesome. I want you to do something that makes you happy. Whether that's branching out completely, whatever you do, do it 100% and I'm going to support you either way. You want to get in where I work? I'll put a word in for you. You want to go up to Philly and do that and move away? It's going to make me upset, but I'm going to support you. You got to do what's best for you. And you're in an industry where it's very difficult and it's cutthroat. And it's a cutthroat industry. So if you have any second thoughts about it, I would probably say not to do it. Maybe explore something with the same skill set. I know how much we paid our DJ for the wedding. And I think you got the people skills to do it. And maybe that's something that you do. It could potentially be a really low startup where it's like, hey, I do DJs. I do events. I go out and I make people happy. The, the reward off of that could be more than you'll ever get in radio. You're, you're around for people's the best time in people's lives being a DJ. And I think that could fit for you. But that's something if, if that's what you want to do. I mean, how much does equipment really cost? It ain't cheap. But, you, but it's not that much either. You don't have to pay for a building. You buy business cards and equipment. I think that's something you could be really fitted for. And I think you'd do a really good job at it. But then maybe you want to take a step back and be like, this is the only thing in, in the media industry I want to do. I want to, I want to produce my podcast. I want to grow that. And I want to collect a paycheck where all I do is go in and do my job. Whether that's pushing papers or signing stuff off or ringing up groceries. Whatever you want to do. But I, I think you have enough potential that whatever you want to do, it, it should be bringing value to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if competing for a cutthroat radio job is maybe the best thing for you. Yeah, that, the thing I realized in the last couple of weeks is that there's always going to be some guy in some office that controls my fate, especially in media, where... Again, that's essentially what happened to me. There was there was some person in some office who said, we don't want him to work here anymore or someone telling you what to do, how to say, regardless of where you go or how big your show is or whatever. There's always going to be that person out there somewhere doing something. The best version of me, I think, in this field is obviously sitting down and talking to important people or people that I find you know interesting or whatever doing this and Regardless of where I go, what city, whatever I end up doing, someone's going to tell me how to cut my hair, who I can have on, whatever. And I'm like, I'm looking at it now for the first time in a couple of years and saying, I don't know if I want that anymore. And that's why I'm kind of exploring things outside of traditionally what I was. It's hard when you're in an industry for a while and you get to the point where you're like, I really think it would be good this way. Because most of the times you don't have the power to make it that way. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to do what they think is right. And unfortunately, your name on a piece of paper in a company like that. Yeah. Oh, it's just a number. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that it it comes down to be like that. But it's just maybe like once taking a step back and being like, where where am I at? What makes me happy? What what is going to be good for me and my future? And the thing is, too, it's not even just my future anymore. It's It's ours. Because she and I were engaged in December and have had virtually the most tumultuous engagement over the last five months, which is, 
again, so much of it out of my control, but I put myself in the right position and suddenly, you know, you talk about stability. I'm at the point now with my life where I'm thinking my fun or enjoyment or happiness will come second to any kind of stability or uh, rock solid. I know what I'm getting. I'm not going to have some strange person from some little town suddenly take my job away for no reason. And I don't think to me, that's just, it's not worth it to do that anymore. You know? And and there's a big thing with sacrifice, especially in a relationship. Um, And you'll, you'll see that the longer your relationship goes on is like right now she's making sacrifices because she, she's making sacrifices because you're the one in a situation that you weren't expecting. And it's going to come full circle. There's going to be a time where she's struggling and you're going to make sacrifices, but it's being a team. And right now with the next three or four steps you're going to make, there's going to be tons of sacrifices involved. And the older I get and the older everybody around me gets as humans, we're naturally afraid of change. Change is scary in anything. Getting a haircut that you've never gotten before. Sucks. What wearing different clothes that you're like, I would never wear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are little changes. Moving outside of your area that you've been in, moving outside of your field. But to facilitate change and growth as a person, you gotta be okay with it. And you gotta be open. And that's the big thing that I've learned is there the 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 word no shouldn't be a very prominent word in your vocabulary and a lot of kids the first or second word is no and as adults to be closed-minded is facilitated by that word no so the less you say no and the more you say let's think about it let me hear you out i think i never thought i'd be doing what i do for a living i love my job i like i of do I are there, are there headaches? Of course, but I never thought I'd be doing it. That's with every job, though. That's with every job. It's a headache everywhere. You know, it's, it's a headache here or a headache over there. I wanted to be a cop all throughout school. What I've always wanted, and the cards didn't work out that way. And now looking back, younger me should not have been a cop. <laughs> <laughs> do I think I'd be a good cop now? I I, I, I do. You would. Do I want that now? No. Why? One, the feeling of towards cops is just terrible. There are a lot of bad ones. There are a lot of great ones. You and I know a lot of great ones. But what do we treat most of them as? I have a I have a blue flag on my car. A blue striped flag on my car. I get nervous every time one's behind me. I support them. What they do, I treat them with respect. It's... There's a an overwhelming fear, and that's fueled by the media and the bad cops. Everybody thinks they're going to get the bad cop. You don't walk away from those experiences. We've had some funny experiences. <laughs> we'll get into those later. Yeah, yeah but and, but <laughs> do we remember those? Or do you remember the cop that gave you a seatbelt ticket in your neighborhood? Or do I remember the cop that gave me an exhaust ticket when I was sitting in a parking lot? Those are the ones you remember. Yep. So it's just... I was lucky I didn't get in. 
because I'm where I am today because I didn't get those things in. So just have an open mind. And like I said, like whatever you need help with here. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. It's, it's strange to be unemployed and not, it's good to have so many options, but also a little scary to not exactly know what's going to happen and and when and where I'll live. And it's, it's empowering, but you know, there's a little bit of fear. I need you to tell me your ghost story. Oh, dude, you got to tell me your ghost story because I got to be honest. I don't get freaked out. I'm not one of those like I'm stressed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not the supernatural believe in any kind of people walking through walls or whatever else. But your ghost stories, they get me because you have some actual real connections to something on the other side. And it freaks me out. So I want you to break down exactly what happened. One, the story with you and your sister. And I definitely wanted you to tell the story about what happened with Fred and Jim. So we moved into a foreclosed on house when I was 11, 12. And that's where I spent the rest. We moved in the same neighborhood from literally one side of the neighborhood in a townhouse to a full size home on the other side of the neighborhood down by the festival. So we're sitting there. We've been in the house maybe two months at this point. Um, And we're sitting there. The house next door to us, no one lives in it. And I'm like, okay, they just moved out not long before we moved in. And nobody even came by the house to upkeep it. So like kind of got run down in that two month span. You don't realize how fast nature takes over. Well, you do now because over the COVID thing that nature has cleaned itself up, but nature took this house quick. So we're sitting there at the dinner table one night and the way our house was set up, we each had a window facing the vacant house next to us. I was in the back. My sister was in between us. My brother was around front. So he looked at the side of the house. My sister looked at the side of the house. I looked at the back of the house. So we're sitting at the dinner table one night. And my brother, six years younger than me, my sister's 18 months older. And I was like, hey, do you guys hear weird noises coming from that house? And every night I would hear weird noises. I'd walk outside. There's no loose shutter. There's no branch hitting anything. It's just here banging. And my sister's like, yeah, I hear some weird noises. My brother's like, yeah, he has weird noises too. And I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. And then the question comes up, do you believe in ghosts? My mom's like, no, I don't believe in ghosts. I was like, "Mm." my brother's like, I don't believe in ghosts either. My sister's like, yeah, I mean, I guess. And I was like, firm. (laughs) <laughs> i do and they go what and i was like i'm a firm bullet i've seen one 14 year old man i've seen one and they're like no you haven't i was like i have they're like where i'm like all right so i grew up my dad a uh, member of the bush river yacht club down in joppa shout out bush river yacht club shout out long bar harbor um so bush river yacht club and the way it's set up is the clubhouse for anybody's not familiar with it is on a big hill steep hill like one you'd be running up the train for for like football so it's on the club clubhouse up on the hill down the hill you have horseshoe pits on the far end you have a playground for the kids and around the corner you have a pavilion all against the water so I'm sitting there, we're eating crabs one night in the pavilion. I was like, I'm going to go to the junior clubhouse. Eight-year-old man, I'm like, yeah, going off to the junior clubhouse. Mistake. So I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna take the short route, which would be down along the water. You walk up the steps, junior clubhouse right there attached to the clubhouse. So 
I'm running. I'm getting by the playground. There's no lights. It's like 9 p.m. So it's dark. No lights. Down by the horseshoe pits. And I walk around the corner and there's this white entity. You when, you see, when you say entity. I like, and it, it stopped me in my track. Hold on. So how big is this entity? We'll get into that. So I'm like, what is that? Like, it was like, it's dark. Like when I say like, imagine walking out in the forest, the moon is hidden by the clouds. It's dark. And I'm sitting there, I'm staring for a second and I look over I'm like, that is a little girl, just a little girl, five, six years old. I'm like, why can I see her? Like, if it's dark, it's black. if it's dark, I'd be like, maybe see a little bit of like her outline. Like, this girl is white. And I'm like, hello? Hello? No response. I'm creeped out at this point. I was like, I'm not going that way. So I turn around, walk back up the long way, get to the junior clubhouse. My interest is peaked. I'm scared. I'm like sweating bullets. It's summer, but it, I'm going to put it towards this. And I walk down there. I'm like looking around. I don't see anything. I turn back around. Nothing. Okay. So then I tell this story at the dinner table. I start that story. So that's the story. So I'm like, I believe in ghosts. I've seen one. Everybody's like, no, you haven't. I was like, yeah, I have. And they're like, where? And I was like, the Bush River Yacht Club. My sister goes, a little girl. And I was like, down by the junior clubhouse and she goes in a little dress and I was like oh no she goes she goes she goes I saw that little girl one night like years ago and I didn't want to say anything to anybody because I thought that I thought I was crazy and I was like I it's it's been like six years and I didn't say anything because I thought I was going crazy so we both saw the same thing at separate times and never mentioned it to anybody so first of all I feel weird right now so the way that the it's on the water, but there's a bunch of rocks right there. Like I'm talking the giant boulders that like are jagged to prevent boats from coming up on the land and injuring people. So I'm thinking she drowned there. Have there ever been any reportings of any kind of foul play or anything at Bush River Yacht Club? Not. I don't want to know. There had to have been drownings, dude. There had to. I'm going to Google it. now. Indian Springs Farm. So hold on, you're going to save that for another podcast, because that story, honestly, is just as creepy, if not more, than the Bush River Yacht Club. That's bad. That's bad. And I want to say that you are one of the most rational, logistical human beings that I know. And the fact that you're so in and sold on ghosts. Let's go tonight. No. I'll drive. My black butt ain't going nowhere near. Can't swim. (laughs) I'm going to get SpongeBob's neck gun. (laughs) That he used that he used in that episode. Yeah. That's bad. Maybe you're an alien. Mm-hmm.